Football is back and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. You get your own little countdown now, so you don't even need me to ask you if you're ready. I'm always ready, though. I'm always ready. It's an audio format, but my eyes were rolling. <laughs> you could actually hear them roll. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Ringo FC. I'm Misa Ponga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? I'm very well, actually. I'm really yeah, good. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm really good. Show's going well. Just very happy to see you, Ryan. Don't <laughs> troll me. <laughs> Pandering to the base. <laughs> uh, I've got serious FOMO, man. You guys had another lovely evening on Monday. I'm right, he was there. He was in very good form, actually. It was a good... You know what i got to say? So we had this um, book launch for... In the end, it was all about love. Uh, Finally. Like January. Yeah, and it was absolutely lots of Stadio Ultras in the crowd and Righty's House Ultras. Were there? Yeah, yeah. Various characters. Emily Oren was in there, among many others. <laughs> Loving it. James and Anim turned up, <laughs> turned up dressed in roll necks. Wow. Yeah, shout out to James and Amin. They were awesome. Really good vibes. Um, was, it, was it good fun? It was amazing. It was really lovely. A couple of great readings. Um, Inu Adams, Nikesh Shukla, and four brown girls who write. Actually, Roshni couldn't make it. The other three were there. Shout to Suna, Sheena, and Sharon. They're brilliant readers. And then DJ Pierre on the decks smashed it. And then Ian, it's great. We had a conversation. So we did a kind of mashup of like, I was like, ah, oh, any Stadio fans here? Any Stadio listeners? They're like, any writers? They're like, yeah, yeah. So we did a kind of like mashup of like Stadio, Writers House, and Desert Island Discs, which is wow. really fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Sounds great, man. Yeah, yeah, there's really good times. Someone, I think it was, uh, was it, Carl put something in the in the Writers House group and uh, I was just like, right, this is it. I've had enough. <laughs> We're going to do a Stadio Live. Yeah, we have to do it. So uh, watch out, people. Watch the airwaves. Watch out, people. Exactly. Truth out. Yeah, 2022, we'll do, we'll do Stadio Lives. Yep, yep. it'll be great fun. I think it's time. Do you think it's time? It's definitely, it's past time. How are you doing anyway? What's, what's going on? What's going on with it? Uh, yeah, yeah, fine, man. Fine. Um, same old, you know, you like, you were gallivanting off on your tours and I was just sat at home editing podcasts. Still in the UK, feels like it's been forever, really. Well, it is going to be forever, but I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks. I'll be fine. It's true. 
I'm glad, man. I'm glad you managed to get out and about and actually push the book because, you know, you put two books out and you were stuck at home and you couldn't do anything. Yeah, you know, it's really joyful actually about it. The nice thing is, Ryan, that like, the best thing is that unlike book launches where you put the book out, people come along and it's all nice. They've read it, right? So they've actually read it. So people turn up and it's really nice. I can, people will have read it and they'll also have uh, views on it, thoughts on it, and then they'll have recommended to their friends. And so they've got a really kind of nice sort of community around it, which, I mean, it's completely anti-capitalist, but there's a, there's a real argument for a kind of delayed, <laughs> delayed oh, book dude. launch, basically, yeah. you know. But yeah, man, no, I'm glad you're uh, feeling the love. It's been amazing. Really lovely. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, let's do some admin because God knows we love a bit of admin. Do indeed. Uh, first of all, hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated if you can. Second of all, Wright's House is up on the Ringer SC feed, Mayoa and the return of the elite Jeanette Quache. Jeanette Quache, the elite the athlete. Oh, I saw Jeanette. Jeanette came by the other day oh, before, but before the event started just to say hi. It was so lovely because we had Everyone's met Everyone's hanging out. I'm stuck in Berlin. Oh yeah, no. Whatever, have fun. You're like, whatever. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, they, yeah, they talked about Man United, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, Declan Jaloff Rice. Which was uh, Jeanette's inclusion. Oh and uh, some love for the Lionesses and Beth Mead. Uh, Jeanette straight back at number one with that. She's elite, man. Like her and Ray, the elite athletes in the house. They are, they are. You know, can't teach that. Can't teach it. Um, other admin, theringer.com forward slash soccer. There'll be some pieces going up probably next week, actually. I don't think uh, there might be some going up this week, but not from us. And yeah, if you do listen to a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It'd be very kind. And Stadio Outro's playlist, as ever, on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outro's. All the tunes we play out on each episode. Uh, newest ones at the top. So today, we're going to talk about a little bit about inclusion in football. And we were going to do a mailbag. Barcelona put an end to that by firing Ronald Koeman late on Wednesday night. So we're obviously going to talk about that. And we'll talk a little bit about some, some games from this, this week because massive props to Gladbach, which we will do. But before we get going, I want to give a little shout out to a, a younger listener from Ottawa, Canada, uh, Rowan Bakshi. Hope I've pronounced that right, Rowan. Ordered a t-shirt, didn't arrive. So we've been trying to sort that out, trying to sort it out with his dad. But I uh, just thought I'd give a big shout to, to Rowan. Lovely. Who uh, is a, a proper listener of the show, apparently, so... Thanks, Rowan, and then we'll get your t-shirt to you very, very soon. Okay, so today, before we get on to the Cumin stuff, shall we start with giving an immense amount of love to a brave young man who became the first professional top flight footballer in the men's game to openly come out as gay. That's Josh Cavallo from Adelaide United. Uh, released a statement on what it came out Wednesday morning our time a video statement I was think it Wednesday it was. about then yeah I personally think this is amazing I remember we did a uh, an episode once on homophobia in football and how we said you know that while it would be amazing to see a a, a player in the men's game because it's worth noting that this is quite commonplace in the women's game and mm. nowhere near as taboo let's say for want yeah. of a better term because you know fortunately. That's the environment that a lot of football is in. But the love and support shown globally from some of the biggest clubs in the world, some of the biggest players in the world, and the overwhelming level of support for Josh 
I think is is quite seismic actually. It's um, a game changer, I think. It is think a game is. changer. And and yeah. I think the reason we wanted to start with this before we get onto the Kuma stuff is because in a decade's time, this will be a more important thing than Ronald Koeman losing his job as Barcelona manager. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's incredibly brave from Josh. I think it's a shame that this is so newsworthy in the modern, in, in the men's game. And the only thing I'll say on it wrapping up is that I think it's amazing. I hope it starts to create an environment where more and more players are comfortable coming out, are being more open about their sexuality. And that I just think it's a good thing all in all for the game. And I just hope that the game as a whole changes and that in four or five years time or, or any time, just as soon as possible, gay players who feel unable to come out feel safe enough to do so and that it's just more widely accepted because it's bizarre that it's not to me. Yeah, I I agree with all of that. And the thing is, what's great for for Josh is the the release of energy, right? It's just exhausting. It's exhausting to feel that you have to conceal such a huge part of your life, um, to watch what you say uh, in certain contexts. It's, It's exhausting. And what's interesting about this is, you know, the outpouring of support makes it very difficult for for people with prejudice to really sit up against him mm-hmm. because the support I think will have come from a lot of quarters. You know, people who will have prejudice will look at some of their heroes going, wow, like my heroes have co-signed Josh Cavallo, that Cavallo, that makes it awkward, right? That makes it difficult. Um, and it's great the players came out so quickly. It's funny, actually. I, I wonder if there's an element of almost relief from a lot of players and supporters where it's like, oh, thank God we can like get behind someone on this. Like, thank yeah. God we can actually Thank God we can begin to express how much support there is out there. And yes, there is prejudice uh, and there will always be prejudice in some quarters. At the same time, what a great opportunity to show that we care. Yeah. And that, that's really exciting. Yeah, I think this and also there was a, a lovely thread about a guy who took his son to the Arsenal-Leeds game on Tuesday. Um, oh, that son, was lovely. His son has autism and um, it was his first game at the Emirates and he was really struggling with the, you know, there was like 50 or thousand in there and it was very mm. loud and quite intense and they actually had to, to leave. And just as they were leaving, the steward asked why. And, um, the guy told, told them that, you know, his son had autism and, um, you know, it was kind of, it was a little bit overwhelming. And then they told him about this Arsenal's sensory room at the Emirates stadium. And, um, he was able to go up there and enjoy the rest of the game. It's amazing. So thoughtful, isn't it? It's so lovely. Yeah. Well, this is something actually that I think uh, I, I think it's a shame that more club or that more people don't really know about that a lot of clubs for a while now have, have, have um, introduced sensory rooms into stadiums so more children with autism can experience live football games. Uh, I posted a, a follow-up to, to repost in the thread with a link to uh, the Arsenal Foundation's video about explaining the sensory room at the Emirates Stadium. And what it does and why it's there and stuff like that. I actually read Arsblog this morning and even though we planned to talk about it anyway, I thought Andrew did a really good job of like highlighting both things on there as well about how, and this is something that I wanted to, to mention on here is that we absolutely love football. We're also fully, fully aware of its many, 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 many flaws. We've said it before, the yeah. football paradox, like how could something be so wonderful and so grim at the same time? Yeah. We make a point of highlighting the grim side when when it happens 
And we will always continue to do that on Stadio because I think it's super important to to deal with the complexity of a relationship with a sport like that. However, you also have to take the wins because they're just as important for a change in the game for the better. And for me, with Josh coming out openly, the support he's received and the raising awareness of sensory rooms at stadiums and the changing or the more um, the more constant discourse around improving football in an inclusivity sense, I think for me is something that has been a real positive with a long way to go, obviously. But no one who loves football should feel like they're excluded from it. And I just think that these were two really l- genuinely quite lovely examples of how inclusivity is just such a, an amazing thing for the sport. And I, I hope that in was well, as quick as we possibly can, that this is normalized to the point where everyone's in because it's everyone's game. We talk about this all the time. Yes. Yeah, for everyone. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yep. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. And on that note as well, that is a progressive and positive note. Um, I actually stumbled across, we're talking about football and what football means to all of us. I don't know if you saw the Ryan Reynolds quote that I shared that I saw in the Evening Standard. Yeah, <laughs> I, may, I just have to, I have to, it's so beautiful. Ryan Reynolds um, saw his Wrexham team, you know, he's a part owner now, defeated by Maidenhead United. And he went on Instagram and he said, football is a beautiful, heartbreaking, soul deadening, evil and gorgeous game. And I'm never sleeping again. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is perhaps the best description of football now, always and forever. Um, I've ever heard. So yeah, I had to share that just in the context of this is like football is inclusive. And if you think the game is evil and gorgeous and soul deadening and you'll never sleep again because of it, then it's you're also welcome. for you. <laughs> we saved your seat at the table. <laughs> so funny when I saw that, I thought of the meme and I was like, first time. <laughs> Someone who will be reading those words of Ryan Reynolds and probably Focusing on the more negative sides of it will probably be Ronald Koeman. With some sockless loafers. Ronald Koeman was relieved of his duties as Barcelona coach following a 1-0 defeat away at Rio Vallecano, which saw Radamel Falcao score again, by the way. Do you know what's funny about that goal, though? Can I just quickly say, PK was like, how am I still falling for this? It was, like Tom, oh. it was like Tom and Jerry. It was like Tom and Jerry. <laughs> Actually, if you, slow, if you slow the replay down, you can actually see PK saying Spanish, oh no, not again. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, really, Falcao? Really, you're going to do this to me? Really? One-on-one. I'm, you know what, Gerard? I'm sorry, I had to do it. I had to do it to you. <laughs> it was you, Fredo. <laughs> we meet again. They've been yeah, we dancing do. for so long. They've been dancing for so long and it's like, yep, yeah, I'll just shuffle inside. Oh, but you had the knee injury. You can't do it. Oh, ha, ha. <laughs> you knew what this was. Hey, Gerard, you knew this was, Gerard. I'm wearing your number. <laughs> Let me show you what a number three can do. That's why PK keeps bobbing forward. He was the, <laughs> it's the battle of the number three strikers. The number nine's uh, wearing number three. Uh, it did oh. make me laugh. But Go before on. I forget, one other thing on this defeat as well. Has it any footballer ever had two such bad back to back misses in important games? Oh, Especially in your desk. Stop laughing. That's mean. Oh, only because you know it is. The only reason I'm laughing, the only reason I'm laughing is because it's not, I'm laughing at him. It's just like the reaction of his teammates. There was an element of like, oh no, like, you know, you, you know, here's the thing. You have to laugh. Like, you know, when you're having a shocker. You're like, mm. 
not of all the people it had to happen to, it was like, man, poor guy, poor guy. He's one of the, like, he's had like a two shots and an extra year five. Yeah. <laughs> just like it's not even possible <laughs> there was so well listen Shajino it won't be like this every week it just, it just no. happened one of those weeks just yeah, one of these weeks totally um, I mean actually on the game itself quickly before we talk about Kuman, Barca were really unlucky they really should have won the game you know Depay missed a the penalty they had a couple of other big big chances uh, yeah. it's Gabi a good save actually one. the penalty it's a good save uh, Aguero had one Depay had another one yeah. but the, for all of their for all of their chances they only had one shot on target which I believe was the penalty Right, yeah. So on another day, this could have easily been two or three one Barcelona. I mean, exactly. Whether that was actually better for them in the long run is 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 a question because I think it it forced Barca to to finally move on making a decision with Kuman. Yeah. The latest reports are that they're in talks with Javi, and Javi wants the job. I think that when we talked about Javi as a potential a little while ago, we we were kind of raising. I think I can't remember which one of us said it, but I think we were kind of expressing a little bit of concern of whether he would take it mid-season at the moment without, mm. without obviously any potential, without any money. Yeah, but I actually think we also said what last week that this Barca side is ready to be moulded now. Yeah, very much so. And I do wonder whether it is a good time because the expe- the expectations are so low. I think um, it's a perfect time to come in as someone like Chavi. I think it's perfect. Yeah. I, it's like, it's, yeah, it's tailor-made. Like, here's the thing. One thing I'll say about the, the Bar- maybe this is the way that Barca makes statements, but like, Kuman did win a Copa del Rey, right? Yeah, he did. He did win a Copa del Rey. And that was a really important victory. I didn't see that in the statement, you know, thank you for your service to the club. Like, none of, there wasn't any kind of attempt to be poetic about it. And I think that's because, obviously, within and without the club, there's maybe some degree of exhaustion about this whole process. But, it is a shame because when they won that Copa del Rey, I was like, we said this at the time, they need that trophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing is though, because it's kind of ended the way it has, he won't be remembered fondly because ultimately you're always, it's like, it's like doing a great gig, right? You're always remembered by the final tune. People don't remember the midsection of the gig as long as the last tune, the, stru- the, last, the, the closing tune is a rousing one. If he'd finished on that high note, it could have been different. But as it is, all Xavi's got to do at this point is come in and just make Barca look like Barcelona again. A bit like when Pep came in and there was, they, they, they lost the game, they drew a game, I think, and then they, they won the third game 6-1, but like the second game when Cruyff wrote his like column, his famous column and saying, mm-hmm. actually, this is one of the best Barca teams I've seen in ages. If Xavi gets Barcelona playing football, let, let's, let's say the Barcelona draw the next three games 2-2, but there's a vast improvement in how they move the ball through midfield and they coordinate and they're pressing in packs. I think actually people will be happy with that. I think they'll be happy with that because they'll be like, oh, this is recognisably Barcelona because people at this point just want to see something which looks like Barcelona again, I think on the whole. Um, I mean, I agree. You know? I totally agree. I mean, I, in terms of Kuman, I think we've made our thoughts pretty yeah, clear been, about it. I mean, I don't think he should have got the job in the first place. I think he was not a good enough manager to be deserving of the Barcelona job. Mm. And is that very, very kind of that, that absolute sweet spot of um, not being of the level, but having a, the arrogance of someone who is beyond the level. And that is a really dangerous mixture because it, it never felt thing. right straight away from the, from the way that the Suarez thing was handled through to 
the comments coming out about Messi well, and also and special just, privileges. It's a minor. Th- it's it's you mentioned it, but like it's it's rocking up in sockless loafers when you probably shouldn't have got the job in the first place. That's where you need to start. You're making it. You that's a big look at me moment. And I know a lot of people will be rolling their eyes and being like, "Why are you talking about this?" But like, if you get the Barcelona job at that time, and you kind of know that, I mean, his track record had been patchy for his last few jobs. Mm. You tread lightly going in there. It's like the prop Joe line from The Wire: just be dead fucking boring. Exactly. Well, this is this is why Valverde's tenure is looking better and better with every passing season. Yep. And the way that the players came out when Valverde left, uh, was fired, that was massively telling. But then if you think what Barcelona have done stru- um, strategically since then, which, I mean, is worth a lol, Barca, strategic. Oh, God. <laughs> Valverde to Kike Setien, Kike Setien to Ronald Koeman. Like very so different, just... three very different managers in, three, in, a, in quite a short space of time. I'm only laughing because Barca have been as strategic as my artistic career. I mean... <laughs> oh, my. Oh so, my, look, he I mean, went there, everyone. He went there with the yeah, cell phone. But, um, yeah, the cell phone, but yeah, you're right. They're, still, just, they're, still, they're still paying them off as well. They're still identity, paying yeah. off like the last, what, three managers now with Koeman, I think? Identity isn't everything to, to a lot of clubs, but it is so much to Barcelona. Like it's really important to them. And like I say, they're not, we've said this before, they're not a thousand miles away, actually. I saw comments about there should be an interim appointment. Actually, I don't agree. I think... Like I think you sh- whoever the appointment is, if it's even if it's Chavi in a few months or someone else now, whoever it is has to be someone in the kind of school that is recognisably Barcelona. I just don't think anything is helped by getting someone who is, oh, here's a different style of football altogether, and here's a new one. No, just you said it before with with Bayern, square pegs and square holes. Mm. You know. Although yeah. having said that, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I mean, we'll talk about Bayern in a little bit, but we will. Uh, I we'll, think we will. Well, but yeah, I think now with Barcelona, you know. The era of Pep is so, is completely gone. It's dead. You know what, Busquets and Pique are the only two kind of surviving people from that era, really, because Alba arrived late. Mm. It's time for someone like Ajavi to come in there and be given time to work. Yes, I think so. I think so. Because there are a couple of really pressing matters there in terms of what they need to do this season. I think they're in a, I mean, to be honest, they're not miles off the top four anyway, so they're not, that's, that's fine, but that is absolutely imperative that they maintain that Champions League spot because the top five, six, or seven uh, in La Liga are so close together. Um, Barca, it's one of those, that's actually kind of probably a bit of a blessing for Barca because they can make progress quite quickly and optics-wise, it looks amazing. They could just propel themselves up the table. But they need to finish in the Champions League this, uh, this season. They absolutely have to. If they don't, it's disastrous, especially for the current state of the finances. I think they will. They need someone in there who mm. the players are going to genuinely listen to. We saw it with Solskjaer when Solskjaer went into Manchester United. Now, we've all talked about Solskjaer and how he kind of progressed Manchester United to a point where actually he wasn't the right man for the job anymore. So he deserves massive credit for that. Same with Lampard at Chelsea. Um, but they listened to those. Players listened to those players because they were gigantic figures within the football club before that. I don't think Kuman carried that same weight ever. And also I think he came in with a lack of awareness that jarred people from the jump. Like he wasn't part of the greatest Barcelona side ever, really. He wasn't. And actually I think he thought he was probably part of that school, that very small school who genuinely thinks that that's 
that so the dream early team 90s, was better the, the dream team yeah it was better and um it never felt right javi feels completely different like javi's one of the greatest midfielders of all time you know and he's Do you know it's, it makes it yeah actually no it's interesting as well with javi the structural reform what we do with la masia because you i do not believe he's going to leave la masia alone like he might look at that whole setup and and this is the thing as well the thing about the Chavi appointment that is exciting from a footballing point of view, it's really exciting, is makes the place potentially, if he can get the coaching side right, if he can get, it makes it attractive, actually. And Bar- I know Barcelona is a kind of, you know, glamorous club, but it's had hard financial times. If, if Chavi has the ability to improve players under his tenure and to really go and scout and talk about, okay, La Masia needs better attention. We've got mm-hmm. a good crop coming through. Let's push forward in that. That is extremely, extremely exciting, I think. According to Sport, that Barcelona have already reached an agreement with Javi and it just, all they need to do now is negotiate with Al Sad, but apparently there's a termination clause of just a million euros, so it shouldn't be a problem. So by the time you're listening to this, Javi might already have been appointed Barcelona manager. You know what's so ridiculous about me? I'm a 40-year-old man and I'm excited about this. I shouldn't be as excited about this as I am. It's not even my club, but there's something about Maybe it's because I just read a recent Xavi interview where he was talking about, what's the quote he used, the, the standard quote, clearing the ball is an intellectual defeat. <laughs> is that what you said? Yeah, he said it. Clearing the ball is an intellectual defeat. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, oh my We need to do some goodness. like Stadio Fortune cookies with quotes like that in there. It's un- <laughs> the anxiety exists. Yeah, like you opened up a fortune cookie. It says, "I knew I expected suffering, but this is another level." Like, <laughs> you knew that football was up, evil and gorgeous. You opened up a fortune cookie. It says, "Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit." You and should. then you opened another one. It says, "Clearing is an intellectual intellectual defeat." defeat. Yeah. So, um, uh, the Chavi appointment, if it does go through is exciting, I think, for Barcelona on and off the field. Because if you ever had to have a situation where a coach had to come in and work with limited resources and galvanise and maximise what was under his control, like, and we've talked about this crop of young players, it's actually uncanny how exciting they are all at the same time. Yeah. Do you know who I'm really excited for as well, if Javi does come in, is Frankie de Jong. Because Frankie de Jong is oh, kind yeah, of plateaued gonna, a little bit. Just and I say think, this. But I think Javi will absolutely unlock him. And Because yeah. I think Frankie de Jong, for example, he looks like he's really suffering from a lack of confidence at the moment. And to be honest, that just strikes me as the kind of thing that Kuma will do to you. What's exciting for Frankie de Jong is he's actually quite a bit further ahead in his career than Xavi was at this point. Yeah, yeah. People forget how long it took Xavi and Iniesta to get going. Yeah. It took them a long, long time. You know, Frankie de Jong has such a brilliant, um, a brilliant emergence at Ajax that he could afford like a slack season, a difficult season. Like everyone goes through that. I mean, Xavi might look at that and just be like, that's nothing compared to what I went through. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, Javi and Iniesta. People forget this. I mean, yeah, but I mean, Alex McLeish put in a, a, a loan request for, for Messi and Iniesta at one point for, at Rangers. Did there's, there's something very funny about like midfielders that you generation. you know the story right? about that, by the way? Sorry to cut in. On the recommendation of his son who was playing football manager. That's incredible. Shout out to football manager, actually, because football clubs actually approached them because the data was so good. But there's a funny thing about that era of midfielders very quickly before we get back into Barcelona. Do you know how like Iniesta and Xavi felt like they succeeded from the beginning, but they actually didn't, which is a kind of false thing. There's another false consciousness, which is that, that's not the right expression, but you know what I mean? Like there's another sense, another sort of myth, which is it felt like Gattuso was at Rangers forever and he wasn't. No. 
He was just there for like no time at all, but it felt like he was there forever. Does that make sense? It's like yeah. I was talking about, uh, we were talking in the writer's house group and I was saying that if Bartomeu was still at Barca, if Bartomeu was still Barca president, Van Bommel would be unveiled this weekend. I was so angry at you for creating that image in my head. <laughs> you know, it's true. Barcelona no legend, one. man, who was there for a year. <laughs> like, it feels like he was there right. for so much longer though. You're, you're totally right. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, yeah, you know, another Dutchman who's just lost his job, you know, get him in. Exactly. Why not? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it will be Javi. I think it will be Javi. And I mean, I know that Laporta has, 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 um, isn't maybe as widely popular as he was the first time around. Mm. But he has done what's needed to be done, I suppose. He's got a harder job this time as well. A way harder job, yeah. yeah. It's, it feels a little bit like Zidane coming back at Real Madrid that time when we were like, can Zidane rebuild? And he did like a really like Zidane came back and was like, "This Solid. is impressive." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a long way to go for this Barca to get back to. Well, I mean, you look at the the La Liga spending caps this season. That gives you a an insight into just how far they've got to go before they can genuinely, genuinely compete again. The thing that I hope doesn't happen is that when the financial restraints come off them, maybe at the end of this season, going into next season that they don't make the same mistakes again. They can't be going and signing players for 120 million euros. And the thing is, to be honest, I don't think Javi will let them. And they don't need to. And that's the first manager in a long, long time. That's why I'm excited about come this. In. Maybe, since, maybe since Luis Enrique, really? It was Enrique? Yes. Yeah. Because even though Valverde, I think, was, was, was probably underrated as a Barcelona manager, um, he never had that authority with the board. No. I think Laporta and Javi are a link to an era of Barcelona that the whole club and the fan base genuinely gen, like, uh, desperately want to recreate. And there's a little bit that for the first time in a long time, there feels a lot like there's synergy there. Yeah. If that happens, that is. What about Koeman? What next for him? Um, it's a funny one because I think Koeman will, I think he'll land okay, to be honest. I think he'll go because- back to the Netherlands. I don't see why not. I don't see why. I mean, you never know where the offers will come from. I think, obviously, the coaching in Spain again is, he probably wouldn't have coached in Spain unless it was Barcelona or would have wanted to. Um, because, you know, he loved Barcelona. That what was quite interesting, quite poignant was when Koeman left, seeing, like, you know, some quite big Barcelona Twitter accounts going, he'll always be a club legend, like, and making the point to say that and, like, you know, yeah. referring to the winner in the final in 92. And like this, you know, this man did have some level of goodwill because people understand the circumstances are very difficult. And it was always going to be hard to be the first manager into the breach, whoever you were. Like, I don't think Xavi would have fared necessarily too no. well coming in like this. You've got to be know? the guy after the guy. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I think at this point he should just, just go and chill out somewhere with a book, read some new novels, check out some movies and just... I mean, you've written a few. Maybe we're going to read those. <laughs> I wouldn't. It's a life's too short for them. So I, in, the end, in the end, it was all about loafers. Oh, God. In the end, it was all about socks. <laughs> oh, gosh. Get some socks. That's what he needs to do, actually. Winter's he coming. Does. Buy some socks, yeah. Ronald. Exactly. exactly. Um, I'm going to give a couple of quick shout-outs. Obviously, we shouted out Ryo. They are newly promoted in their fifth at the moment. They're two points off top spot, having played a game more than, the, uh, than Real Madrid and Sevilla. Shout out Betis. Betis. Creeping up, yeah. <laughs> Betis are level on points with Real Madrid at the top of the league, having played a game more. And again, Real Sociedad, level on points with Real Madrid, top of the league, having played the same games. Real Madrid, Sevilla and Real Sociedad are the teams on 21 points, all with games in hand. Love it. 
But yeah, the gap from Barcelona to the top is six points. So La Liga is almost as, is, is La Liga and Serie A this year are like if you're not paying much attention to them, please pay a little more. Like these oh, are very very interesting leagues. They're all um, they're all like and, the league equivalent of the Ewing theory. Oh, take out yes, yes. Take out the best player, <laughs> yeah. and the team gets better. And you the know, whole league gets more exciting. Here's the thing as well: these leagues, they're not catfishy either. No, like they're not, not catfish. They're genuinely like you know when a when a big result happens, like in Serie A, for example, it's not like a catfishy result. It's because there's depth, there's genuine depth, and the coaching is of a high level. And if you turn up at seventy percent, you'll get got. You will get, get got. got. You'll get got. <laughs> Let's take a break, and then we'll do Let's a little do roundup of some stuff. Do it. All right, man. Let's do a little quick roundup because there were some seismic results. Should we start with the most seismic? Juventus won Sassuolo too. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Uh, we need to shout out Borussia Mönchengladbach. Scored five for the first time under Adi Hutter. Inflicted Bayern's worst ever Pokal defeat on them. Bayern exit the Pokal at the same stage that they did last season after their defeat to Holstein Kiel on penalties last year. Do you remember? And they, yeah, they, yeah, they fielded a really, really good team this time. They were time. pretty much fully strengthened apart from Pavar came in for Sula a right back. That's basically it. And um, there were some interesting, there were some interesting things with Gladbach. So I think it was, it was a little bit of a mixture of taking their chances super efficiently. I think by the time they'd had, when the fifth goal had gone in, I think they'd only had six shots. No, six on target, excuse me. And one had been saved and one was a Can penalty. I say- so no, they were can I, say I I don't know about that because they had a lot of very, very close attempts that went like a couple of inches wide. True, they did. But but what I was yeah. saying is like in terms of the, actually testing Neuer, they were finishing yeah. really efficiently. Oh, yeah, the finishing, yeah. Once, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there were a couple of things that I thought were really noticeable. First of all, Upa Meccano and putting Mbolo on him and essentially like being like, that is a matchup. Bully yes. him. It really reminded me of like playoff, NBA, like NBA playoff vibes. They press super smart as well. Yes. They did a really good job of, of stopping Bayern from building up play at the back. And they split Goretzka and Kimmich really well. They did well. really well. They split them. Oh very, my very, goodness. very well. Actually, I thought Kimmich, it was... Kimmich was isolated. Yeah, I didn't think Kimmich had the best game, to be honest. And also, they were just lightning quick. Like They did. They the did, they did to Bayern what, what Bayern did to Leverkusen. Same thing. Fair. So there were some really nice little tactical quirks there that I thought Adi Hutter absolutely nailed. That in combination with obviously really efficient finishing and just buying looking a little bit half a yard short on everything. On everything. Can I actually give a quick shout out to Dennis Zakaria, who was brilliant from the opening seconds. Lovely goal. Quadio Kone as well, who was outstanding, pressing everything. Ben Sabaini, who I absolutely love. Rami Ben Brilliant, brilliant player. Lovely player. I was thinking about this the other day. I don't think an Algerian has given Bayern this much stress in the football. It's Robin Marger in 87. <laughs> in the European Cup final. Like, Ben Sabaini just like runs right. He loves these big games. Um, Joseph Scali with a couple of brilliant tackles. Mm. And the thing about, what was amazing about Gladbach in this game, because like, you know, I watched, actually, you know, I wasn't watching it live, so I went and just watched the entire thing back. And it's like, oh my goodness, this defeat, there's no fluke in this. This is like, no. but uh, Gladbach, it wasn't even one of those thrashings where there's an amazing early chance for Bayern. It wasn't like Gladbach were like, pedal to the metal the entire time. And there was one particular goal. They circulate the ball. It was like old school, like it was actually like turn of the century Barca. Mm. 
like proto, proto Cruyff, like hammering the ball around the back in the left back position and then hammering it forward through the gaps, like going back to go forward. It was absolutely stunning. And, and the, the passing through the lines, what I will say about Bas, about Bayern though, sorry, um, as a criticism, they've got real problems with their uh, chemistry in the centre-back area. So you have Lucas Hernandez, you know, who was a left-back for a long time, is now playing more centre-back. Upamecano, who his passing is getting better, his movement forward, but actually, let's be honest, his form has been streaky for a little while now. Um, Pavard, who is not progressing the ball that well from a right-back position, and that's a problem for France and for Bayern. Sula starting on the bench and coming on. Alfonso Davies maybe just looking tired. We can, you know, we can excuse that. He's played that. a lot of football, Alfonso He's played Davies. a lot of, he's yeah. out, he, looked a bit, he looked a bit leggy as well. Um, it was really, and actually Sané wasn't the worst, uh, actually. Sané wasn't too bad of all the Bayern players. I thought he was fairly good. He progressed fairly well. Lewandowski just isolated and frustrated. Yeah, he didn't, get, he didn't really get a sniff, Lewandowski. There was, there was just, one moment that I think, uh, I can't remember who had the shot. It might have been Goretzka or hmm. it might have been Gnabry actually. But Thomas Muller crouched down uh, or like almost curled himself up in a ball to try and avoid the the, the shot and yeah. it just hit him and he was given offside and he was about One of these four nice, yards yeah. out it was just like wow this is really and he had a couple of really ropey moments Thomas Miller as well like the ball was going under his feet a lot and yeah Bayern just looked like they uh, were missing that just missing that kind of like um, sharpness and I do wonder I think this I think this sometimes happens in games like this though when when you're kind of shook from going behind so early mm. and Gladbach, it was kind of like, okay, this is actually happening. They've got a third, you know, 21 minutes, I think it was, 3-0 up. It's really hard when you're not used to that. To, to This is why I say, like, I, I, I do sometimes think that teams um, who are on paper maybe not as strong as the big boys, like going up, going for them early on can really sometimes provide some Listen, really good results. Bayern have the Man City problem, don't they? With the centre-backs. Do you remember how City mm. had this? In terms of, the, it's a chemistry thing. It's not that they don't have the, City at least, at least Bayern can say they have the quality. They do have the quality. But that centre-back chemistry, they have to work it out. Because this, this defeat now is a blueprint. Because of the things that so consistently went wrong, you know, the way that Pamacano was playing out, the way that Pamacano and Hernandez did not combine well, these are things that other teams will now look at and be like, ah, you see, this is, this is not a one-off. This is, not, this is a blueprint for something effective. And if we hunt in certain areas, we can get some joy. In particular, Dortmund, I know Dortmund without Holland for a bit, but Dortmund can win without Holland, I think, in, in the next few games. This is something to pay attention to throughout the league. And yeah, I'd be really yeah. interested to see. Do you know when people went for Chelsea early on in the season, it became a blueprint? Mm -hmm. I wonder if this gets replicated in, um, in future games because there's, you know, there's joy to be had there. I mean, Gladbach's recent form against Bayern at home is pretty good anyway. I mean, I think they've only lost one in the last four or five. Um, yeah, but the one they played at the start, the, the one they did before, in the, um, it was interesting because the one they played at the start of the season, they began really well, but then the Bayern kind of arm wrestle, Bayern just mm. came back ferocious. What's fascinating with this is they sustained it. Yeah. That's what intrigues me. But anyway, who can sustain Hitter this? Hitler scoring yeah. five against Bayern, man. His Eintracht side <laughs> yeah. uh, was, yes. the, was ironically the one that got Nico uh, Kovac sacked, wasn't it? Fired, yeah. Yeah, great game there. German Cup is amazing, by the way. For those who missed out this week, I know there was Carabao Cup on, but my God. Some of the notable results. Uh, Leverkusen lost 2-1 at home to Karlsruhe. 
Leverkusen are very, very, very patchy at the moment. Say Pauli marrying their spectacular league form with a good cut run as well. They went through after extra time against Dinamo Dresden. Bochum beat Augsburg. 1860 Munich put out Schalke. Schalke, poor Schalke, man. Uh, <laughs> Leipzig scraped through against Babelsberg. Um, and uh, Dortmund went through against Ingolstadt uh, with another man of the match performance from Jude Bellingham. So... Jude Berto Baggio. Oh, Jude's been amazing, man. Oh, my God. Um, let's go to, very, very quickly, in Liga on Wednesday night was the replayed game between Nice and Marseille, played in a neutral stadium. They played at Troy, and there were no fans there, and it ended 1-1. How neutral is that? Neutral as it gets. Good result for Marseille, actually, in, in the grand scheme of things, because they are a point behind Nice. They didn't have to replay that game with Nice having the home advantage, being punished for the crowd trouble in the first the first time round when the game got abandoned. Do you want to do Serie A? Yes. Oh, my, oh my goodness. Goodness. Serie A is giving me all my vitamins right now. Like, if there was, if all football stopped apart from Serie A, that would be enough football for me. It's, it's so good this year. It's so good. It is so good. Uh, um, it's great. Simone, the biggest result. Go on. Sorry. Don't go on. You go for it. You the, go for the, it. The, the biggest result is, is Sassuolo beating Juventus in Turin for the first time in Sassuolo's history. Fifth minute of injury time. Do you know Winner. what? That's the most, they did the most Juventus thing to Juventus. Like they did it in that way. Like, and the counter is oh such a God. beautiful goal. Such a, oh, oh, loved it. It was just, just in terms of the moment. But it's funny because it arrests the kind of slight run, you know, Juve were kind of putting together, yep. you know, a little, a nice little sequence. Mm-hmm. But this is the thing with Serie A. You cannot slip. They come for you. Everyone well, comes for you. That's Juve's first defeat since losing to Napoli on September 11th. So yeah, a little run for them. But um, elsewhere, I mean, we have to talk about the most fun moment in Serie A, which you shared in the chat. Well, let's quickly do a quick roundup of some other stuff because Atalanta beat Samp 3-1 at Samp, which is a good result for Atalanta. And yeah, nice win that. Inter beat Empoli 2-0 in Empoli, which is another good result for Inter, especially because Simone Inzaghi was up in the stands. uh, And obviously Atalanta as well. There were so many managers not in the dugout for this round of fixtures (laughs) because of all the goddamn sendings off on Sunday. Um, Do you remember that time? This is a bit of a random one. It was, I think it was a World Cup game when Portugal played Holland. And I think three players got sent off. And at one point, like two of the three, two of the three guys have been red carded, just sat and looked at each other and just shrugged. It was like, this is ridiculous. It feels like that with these managers. Uh, we have to talk about Jose. <laughs> Amazing. Have you ever seen a man look more angry at going 2-1 up after being 1-0 down than Jose Mourinho? <laughs> Incredible. Jose is like... Do you know, it felt like fan service. It does. It this felt, is, like, this I, is like The Last Jedi. You said the spitting, yeah, the spitting, we talk about the spitting cobra and I'm like, that felt like, it felt like fan service. <laughs> Seriously, there were loads of people who were just like, he's definitely been listening to Stadio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fill up my glass. <laughs> he's on it, man. He's on it. After like, and his Instagram at the moment is absolute gold. Like, did you see it? It's like, <laughs> Sat, sat on some steps afterwards eating a takeaway. Just said, you know, great, three points tonight, some nice food. I'm still not allowed in the, in the dressing room. Do you know who's writing Mourinho? Peter Kay. This is like not Phoenix Nights, it's Mourinho's Nights. This is the most... This is like... Mourinho's no, the very- Nights. <laughs> this is pure Mourinho's Nights. 
All he needs now to say is garlic bread. It's the future. And then it's. <laughs> Do you know what we're going to find out? We're going to find out at the end of Mourinho's career that every season he's been playing a different actor. And I'll be oh, like, oh wow. yeah, the 20 seasons of my career. And he's like, oh yeah, that was that season. That was the Peter K season. Of course it was. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. Like, look at the, look, uh, there were so many, and it'll be like, there were so many Easter eggs. You know, when he went full Limmy when they beat them 2-0 at Anfield, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went full, yeah, full Limmy. I was like, he's literally like, that was my Limmy season. Did no one clock it? <laughs> I'd love that actually. He was directing himself the whole time. Um, the winning goal, by the way, was amazing. Pellegrini with a free kick. Oh my god, Pellegrini's yeah, that was a, sick, man. He's so he's good. Fire, fire. Yeah. Someone um, said a lovely. This was a really, a really good game, lovely, by the way. It was a really, someone said really a lovely tweet. Private, someone said a lovely. Tweet. I can't remember who it was now. That's a shame. They said that Pellegrini on form, you know, alongside sort of like Salah in terms of like a hot streak, he's as exciting uh, and maybe as accomplished. So it was quite a nice little quite a nice little comparison because Pellegrini doesn't always get the shine outside Italy. Maybe he deserves. I think that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to jump in. Uh, anywhere else in Serie A you want to, want to touch on? Uh, I think we're good. One thing just quickly about, um, about Serie A. So Empoli down in 12th, right? Mm. And they were like, what, one, four, lost six, drawn none. And they're the kind of like the leads in the sense, you remember how Leeds have that kind of like, they didn't draw any games. They either beat you or they lost, but they always made you like, you'd come out of those games going, Oh, we were in a game then. What I love about Empoli is Empoli, I just want to give us a bit, a bit of shine because every game I've seen them in, they've played with such an intensity that teams have come away, you know, even the beat them, it's like, we were, in a, we were in a game this time. And it's almost like they're one of those teams that really keep the league honest. So yeah, yeah shout out to them because they've been a real joy to watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. Do we want to touch on any Carabao Cup stuff? I think it's significant that West Ham beat Man City considering Man City yeah, basically won this trophy for the last thousand years. Good and it also well. ties in, it ties into us, you know, West Ham had to face a good city side. You know, mm-hmm. they started with the Bruyne midfield, for example. And that's not, they weren't, they weren't clowning Mares and uh, Sterling up top as well. I think Gundogan's in there too. This was a good city team and City have won the Carabao like the last few years in the bounce. So they take it really seriously. Uh, and this is just, you know, tying into sort of David Moyes just having just a really great season. And mm-hmm. I'm, I, I said this before, but I'm so happy that West Ham fans are getting to enjoy what David Moyes has done with this team in a full stadium. I'm, I'm really, really happy for him. I've got to say this. Yeah, uh, me too. There was a great piece that Jonathan yeah. Lou wrote about David Moyes on The Guardian. I'd recommend going and reading. Super good. You know what I love about this? What I love about Moyes uh, having this time at West Ham is his defining legacy won't be the United job now. It's done. It's not. Hey, it's just hey, a thing. He might, get the, he might get the Barcelona job. <laughs> you know, it's funny as well though. Moyes was almost at the beginning of a kind of cycle of clubs which made appointments because they were in transition, they weren't quite sure what to do. And actually, he emerges more favourably now from that, given that you can never, if you take a really, really huge job as a manager, it's hard to kind of judge you for it because it might not arise again, right? The window is so small. Um, and although Moyes did not have a good tenure at United, in the context of what has followed and the struggles other managers have had at similarly big clubs, he doesn't emerge as badly from that over time as it was at the time. Yeah, but also it's fit. And this is the thing that Jonathan Liu really nails in his piece where it's just like, it's possible that David Moyes wasn't the right person for Manchester United, but is the right person for West Ham now. And that was but always actually the wasn't yeah, the right person for West Ham the last time he was there. That's right, yeah, yeah. Chelsea beat Southampton on penalties. Arsenal beat Leeds 2-0, which is a good result for Arsenal. Um, Callum Chambers came on the pitch and scored within like 20 seconds, with his, or 26 seconds or something, with his first touch. And Eddie Nketiah was an absolute lovely goal. 
I haven't heard actually um, much from Nketiah in a while, so I'm really glad that, you know. Curious player, already. A curious mm. player. I'm not, he's one of those like, I'm not sure if he's ever going to be leading the line for Arsenal, but um, Arteta, I think, rates him super highly. But I think he could be a really, really good Premier League striker. So who knows? It's all place, about playing yeah. and rhythm. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. you look at Tammy, for example. Like Tammy, since Tuchel came in, like not really featuring that much for, for Chelsea. Goes to Roma and he's basically playing every game. Yeah. That's super important, you know? Yeah. Brentford knocked out Stoke. Liverpool uh, eased through against Preston. I'm, I'm, I'm worried I'm now getting, <laughs> I'm getting typecast because now whenever Curtis Jones does something amazing, I get tagged in it. But I, I do love Curtis Jones. Yes. Like, oh, Musa, look, Curtis Jones content. These yeah. are like he's, beating Curtis three Jones players in the man. corner. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, Leicester knocking out Brighton on penalties and Spurs scraping through against Burnley with a Lucas Moura goal. Um, do you want to do a couple of quick questions before we round? Yeah, let's round do it. Up? Can I just say, it's good seeing you, Ryan. What do you, <laughs> what do you want? I'm just happy. I'm just grateful for life. That's all. You know what it was? It's because I think, I think Ian's rubbing off on me. You know, like Ian just sometimes comes in and he's so cheerful. I'm like, I think that's my energy now. Uh, this is making me uneasy. What what have you done? <laughs> Start with the child goes quiet. You know, there's like a toddler that goes quiet in the house for like a couple of hours. And then you go upstairs and they basically painted the entire <laughs> yeah entire landing. It's like that. My mum was like, my mum was like, my mum was. It's a bit of a family conference going. Yeah, when, when Musa goes quiet, he's up to something. So yeah, I'm 42, so it's still happening. <laughs> um, yeah, let's do a couple of questions. Uh, a quick one from Sam, Visual Criminal. He said, is Ryan's personal rivalry with Canada about to hit a fever pitch after the Raptors Pacers game tonight or is there more to come? I don't have any problem with Canada. It's Musa who has problems with Canada. I love Canada. <laughs> Musa is the one who just keeps trying to antagonize the, the, the entire country of can Canada. I fucking love Canada. <laughs> um, although I didn't enjoy that Pacers Raptors game. Can I be honest with you, Ryan? Do you know how, how deep it is with the weather thing in Canada? Wherever I am with work, I check... <laughs> This is how deep it's got. I check the temperature of where I am and I check Calgary and Edmonton, just hoping that it'll be like colder. So I'll screenshot it and be like, oh, I'm in a place that's colder than Calgary and Edmonton. <laughs> See? That's how deep it is. Sam, everyone else who's listening, <laughs> listen to this. Listen, I've tried to warn you all. I can only warn you all so much if you don't listen sight. to what Ogwanga is saying. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Let's do this one super quick. Andy Winfield, what quality from one player would make another the finished article. For example, Aaron Wambasaka's one-on-one tackling to Paul Scholes, Kyle Walker's pace to Teddy Sheringham, Brian Robson's leadership to Paul Pogba. I think that one's harsh, actually, because I think Paul Pogba is actually an underrated leader. I think if you make Teddy Sheringham quick, you make him a worse player. (laughs) I think you make him worse. Yeah? Yeah, you give him tools that he's like, I don't need this. Why have you given me more speed? Like, he'd be like, give me more vision. Like, Teddy Sheringham would be like, no, I want more vision. And maybe like a left foot with a bit more power, but I don't want more speed. Like, what? Speed is for clowns. <laughs> Goodness. Okay, let's think. Wow. Any player with another attribute finished article. I always feel a bit harsh doing these because it feels like you're kind of saying this player hasn't got this or that. Um, I think it's more like if a player is, has that consistency, like every single game. Mm. So actually, to be honest, if you took 10% of the anger away from Zidane, 10%, so he doesn't do the headbutt. Like if you just, if you just remove that thing, 
Because everyone goes after Zidane. Everyone was always going. If you just so you're saying you want to remove something as opposed to add something to another player. Actually, do you know what? Here's what. Actually, no, no. Actually, no. You know, I would have given Zidane selfishness. Really? That's my one selfishness. Yes, because Zidane would pass all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And that's a serious comment. Like there were times when they would. I think managers would say it's like if this man just scored a little bit more because he was in scoring position much more, and was he was endlessly generous, right? He was always creating the play, but there's a few times where you're like, this player could score. He could finish in tight situations, just chose not to. He was a brilliant finisher. And maybe that's an Urzel thing too. Maybe that is a sort of a number 10 thing. And Rui Costa, actually. Playmakers, actually. That whole generation of playmakers, well, not generate, but like that genre of playmaker. Costa, yeah. Rui Costa, Zidane, and Urzel. A bit more selfishness. Do you know what um, the player that I would have wanted to have been more selfish the most out of any player of all time is actually um, pass first striker Musa Okonga. I think... Uh, <laughs> there he is. Oh, what could have there been? There he is. I didn't, I didn't escape. <laughs> uh, for I those who missed it, by the way, Musa was wearing a, a football shirt with number nine Okonga on the back the other day, which shows you that he is obviously a fraud. <laughs> Not number eight. And, uh, Listen, I never said I wasn't hiding in plain sight. Well, well, well. And you know, what's so funny about that situation as well. It was funny because they were like, they offered the shirt numbers. And I thought, if I don't take the George Weyer nine and another author gets it, I will never forgive myself. And I was wise because I, other authors are getting their own numbers, right? Because like, they made me a football shirt squad in the style numbers. of the Author squad numbers. Yeah, author squad numbers. They made me a shirt designed in the style of the cover of In the End It's All About Love. Mundial did that. Shout out to uh, Craig Old and the original design. But yeah, they're starting to sell those actually on the Rough Trade website this week. There Pretty you go, nice. everyone. Yeah. Some merch for you. Uh, merch again. I'm not buying one. <laughs> <laughs> Wise man. Wise man. Well, I was hoping I'd get one, but you know, whatever. Don't add, don't, don't whatever. No, it's fine. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, Ian wanted one. Ian was, Ian was like, like, oh, where, where's, where's my shirt? <laughs> uh, should we get out of here? Let's do it. Hope everyone's staying safe and well. Enjoying the football. There's loads more football on tonight. And don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Check Wright's House if you haven't already. Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Fragments by Phantom Four. And uh, anything else you want to add, Moose Rock Wonga? And don't say that thing because I'll just cut it out. Nothing further, Johanna. God, I hate you, man. (laughs) I don't miss you at all, by the way. (laughs) Um, Much love, everyone. Have a lovely weekend, and we will be back on Monday. See you then.